Today's episode is brought to you by Musical Theatre Radio's Merch Store. Looking for that perfect gift for someone or just want to treat yourself to some great musical theatre themed merch? Head to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the All Things Theatre button on the homepage and check out all the different designs available. And now, today's interview. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theatre Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. One of the things we struggle with in theatre is accessibility, be it economic or social or physical. And the pandemic really brought that all into focus. Now, how do we create a theatrical experience for everyone to enjoy. Today's guest is helping bridge that gap and solve that problem. He's a performer, but what caught my eye was that he is a licensed American Sign Language interpreter with specialization in the performing arts. Let's dive right in and learn more about today's guest, Caden Zane Marshall. Good day, Caden. (laughs) Hi, how you doing? It's good to see you. Good to meet you. Good to meet you as well. Yeah, when I saw that, that's what you do. I was like, I want to, I want to have him on. And so we can talk about this and, and maybe you can help other people who, you know, have these questions and, and, you know, introduce the world to yourself who might not know you. Um, but before we get into all that fun stuff, I always ask for a 30 second bio. So the question mm-hmm. is, who is Caden in 30 seconds? Oh, Lord, there's so many things that I have going <laughs> on right now. And I only graduated last year. Um, I... My profession is I'm an American Sign Language interpreter and performer and influencer um, with like, I also research gender and attraction on the side and hopefully I can make that lucrative, but that's like a whole, that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. <laughs> um, I I think most people know me best as the musical dealer on TikTok. I... Um, like provide recommendations of obscure and underrated musicals so that I, I can like try and get them a little bit more traction. Um, typically the show has no idea who I am and I just like find it online. I find an album and I'm like, this is amazing. Y'all should listen to it. And sometimes it, um, it really does a good number for the, for the show. Um, I, um, I'm also the personal interpreter for, Joshua Castile. He's a deaf actor who was in Spring Awakening on Broadway. He was in the TV series Accused. He is probably best known as the deaf hunchback of Notre Dame. So if you've seen that video of like a hunchback who's signing and his gargoyle is singing for him and it's like clips of out there went really popular when he was doing that. Um, That's him. I... um, Man, I have to keep this in three minutes. I was about to go into like a whole tangent. Um, I travel around the country, like working on his different projects. I interpret for films, for theater. I recently directed for one of his shows. I was his assistant director for a deaf version of Peter and the Starcatcher in Janesville, Wisconsin. Um, I was the on-staff interpreter, one of the two on-staff interpreters for um, American Players Theater's production of Romeo and Juliet, where Josh was a deaf Romeo and a man named Robert Schleifer was um, a deaf Friar Lawrence and everybody else was hearing and it was like a whole ASL culture moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do a lot of advocacy for accessibility in theater, a lot of um, work on work with theaters, um, advising them or like finding interpreters for them or interpreting for them myself. Uh, was that three minutes? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually 30 seconds, but that's okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's okay. You know what? Some people just can't, they, they have so much stuff in their life that 30 seconds isn't enough, but you know what? That's okay. So my question, <clears throat> excuse me, is, um, were you always into musical theater growing up or is that something you discovered a little bit later in life? It was, it was a pretty early thing. Um, I was a part of CYT, Christian Youth Theater, which is like a national organization that has sort of collapsed recently due to a Me Too-like movement where people were like, um, my directors abused me and um, y'all have terrible business practices. <laughs> but um, when I was like six, I started like taking some of their workshops in acting and stuff. And then when I was eight, I did my first show there, which was Jungle Book. 
And I continued to do that all the way until I was 18 and graduated from the program. Um, and then almost immediately afterwards, they were like, new policy, queer people are not allowed to work for us or perform for us. And everybody was like, how how do you expect to take the queer out of theater? Like, what, what kind of logic is that? Um, and there was a lot of upset and people tried to change it. And the company was like, no. So I think, like, I know the headquarters... Um, in San Diego entirely shut down. Most of the locations in Chicagoland shut down. Um, it's still going, but like with small numbers and I'm like, well, yeah, get what you get. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that with my life when I graduated though. So I took a gap year, took some ASL classes and I was like, you know, I think I would, I would regret it if I didn't go for both. So I got two BAs in those two topics. Nice. That, you know, that's crazy. Just go back. The, the, what, crazy. I don't even like, there's no words. <laughs> um, so it's, it's stupid. Yeah. That's probably the best word. <laughs> yeah. And it was pretty heartbreaking for like a lot yeah. of us. Cause so many people, the employees and the students grew up in that program. So what, what just to stick with that for a second, what do you think changed? What was the, the, all of a sudden not allowing gay people into theater is I guess mandate from the well, top or my understanding is that there had been a don't ask, don't tell policy. Mm. I worked for them for a while and I just yeah. knew that I wasn't supposed to mention it. Um, and, but people, but like queer people were sort of being discriminated against and like having, smaller problems than the one that they ultimately had and they were like please please release a policy please make some kind of statement or change that helps us like move through this space and they were like oh are you sure you want a policy we'll give you a policy and finally like just fucked everything up excuse wow. my language i don't know if i'm allowed to swear on here this is it's theater you can say whatever you want <laughs> I'm I'm all good with that. <laughs> Excuse me. So you you graduated. You you took a year off. You said. Um. What 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 made you during that year off decide to go into what you did? Hmm. I started taking some college classes at local colleges that had ASL programs, like um, from. Adam Wasilewski and Alka Weinbrenner and uh, they told me that interpreting could be a like lucrative profession for me they thought that my skills were good I was picking things up well and it just kind of felt like I was being pushed in that direction but I had also spent the last like 12 years doing theater and loving theater and I was listening to every cast album I could freaking find at all times and I was like I don't I just don't think it would make sense for me to like leave that behind and I know that deaf theater exists I know about the deaf west spring awakening I was obsessed with the deaf west spring awakening I was studying Josh's performances on YouTube and going wow how is that like is that something that I can get into. So I, my dad at the time was very, uh, I will not allow you to get into debt. Um, and also I don't want you to go to college cause he's very like anti the college system. Um, not that he th doesn't think I would benefit from it, but he's like, I think you can do that without getting into a hundred thousand dollars of debt or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I definitely don't want to get into a lot of debt going to college, but you cannot interpret successfully without a college degree. Like it's a very complex kind of thing. And um, like the laws in Illinois, like you say you have to have a degree to, to do this. Wow. Um, and I was like, there's kind of like not another option. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, I, I am going to do that. But if I only major in asl and i don't have a minor in musical theater or something like that like i'm i'm going to lose my connection to theater and i think i'm just not going to have a very good time 
So I tried to minor, but the college that I went to, Columbia College Chicago, didn't have a musical theater minor. And I was like, so I have to major? I guess I have to major. This is what we're doing. Um, And the double majoring actually went really well. I was on the dean's list for like two years straight. Um, And, or maybe more than that. And I will say the theater program at Columbia College Chicago is like Wild West, crazy, crazy, very disorganized and lots of infighting going on. Um, But the ASL program is like real, real freaking good. Um, It's one of the best in the country, as I understand it. And um, and there wasn't really like I couldn't find any other places that offered me both degrees. So I was like, this is this is what we're doing. I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to work real hard. Um, And I think I benefited from that a lot. That's the program that put me working with Josh in the first place. And now he's not only like my boss, my like main client, he's also my boyfriend. So well, that that helps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really helps your language acquisition to date somebody who uses another language too. For sure, for sure. Was there what what made you get into to um ASL in the first place? Was it was there something or is it just something you were curious about? I it was really just something I was curious about and I didn't want to take any other language credits. I'd already taken Spanish and I was like, not enjoying this. I wasn't interested in French or Latin. Um, and that's kind of all that was offered at my school. And I was like, Hey, Elizabeth, Elizabeth was my neighbor. She's like my second mother. Um, and she also taught civics at my high school. I was like, Elizabeth, um, you know, ASL, you're hard of hearing. You grew up on the East coast with the deaf community. And she doesn't identify as capital D deaf, which means like involved in the culture, like missing so much hearing that it's like a really big part of your identity, but she's like bilingual. It's like one of her first languages. Um, I was like, would you mind tutoring me? And she was like, I'll do you one better and opened a class at my high school. And I got to take that for two semesters with my friends we got to a point where she didn't feel like she could um like continue past the point of asl2 um she was like you need to go to like some college classes or something like that if you want to go beyond what i can give you um and so i'm the only one who did wow actually no there was one girl who is in gallaudet right now and gallaudet is like the harvard of uh deaf schools it's like the deaf college that's very cool. So when was the first time you were able to put together those two passions of yours, the ASL and the musical theater? That's a great question. Um, it's a little like, I, I didn't know at the time that it wasn't the most culturally appropriate thing for me to do when I did this, oh. <laughs> but I um, was in a production of, you're in town ragtime one of the two at um a theater in schomburg and after opening night they always have a party and a lip sync smackdown and i was like i don't know what songs i want to lip sync to but i have an asl translation of a cut dear evan hansen song called in the bedroom down the hall um and so i did a very rough interpretation of that song because I wasn't too far along in learning the language <laughs> um but it was definitely a, a like cool showstopper trick and I won the lip sync thing which I wasn't even lip syncing I was using my hands so <laughs> I kind of cheated the system one it didn't get me anything other than like clout um yeah. and I was like oh my gosh I loved that that was fun the next time that I really actually got to I was supposed to interpret a production of Cabaret when I was a student, and then that got canceled because of the pandemic. It was it was when I started working with Josh. Um, he was directing, he was the deaf director of a production of The Little Mermaid, and that there weren't deaf people in the cast, but um, he was like, hey, I need interpreters. And the theater was like, hey, we can't afford interpreters. Will you take students? And he was like, I roll, I guess. And... Um, me and 
one of our roommates, Makeda, um, and another interpreting student named Haven all got placed there because we all had experience in theater. Um, and Josh immediately really liked what we were doing, really liked what I was doing. And um, because I knew I knew what the rehearsal room looked like, I um, could jump in and know what a proscenium was and know how to navigate around the actors. Whereas he told me, I've been without a personal interpreter for a couple of years now. And every time I work with like random interpreters, it's like some old lady who's like, I always wanted to try theater and I saw this job <laughs> listing and I thought I would just give it a go. And then they get to tech week and tech week is crazy hell. So yeah. overwhelming. And they'll like just shut down. Yeah. And he's like, I'm so sick of having to teach all of my interpreters how to do stuff. And you just knew exactly what to do from the get go. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> nice what's it how does it work what is the process of working with the director um and and staging that sort of thing because I, I looked at uh one of the videos for um spring awakening the, the 2012 on on his his channel and just how does it go about that is it priest just tell me i i just don't know how to describe exactly how it works <laughs> And I, I guess I've never had to describe like in general how it works. It's like, well, if if the director is deaf and the whole cast is hearing, mm -hmm. that's not too hard because no. I just have to go and stand with whoever he's talking to <laughs> and interpret what's going on. Um, most of the time he speaks for himself, which isn't true of all deaf people. It's not necessarily true of most deaf people. Um, but he grew up like learning how to speak and everything. So um, I'm just, it, it, it looks like me running all around the room while he's behind the table and giving him little cues about like, yeah. this person's kind of pitchy in how they're singing this or they're, they're um, I have to give a lot of subtext. Like they'll be saying, oh no, I got it. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell him, well, it sounds like they're very nervous and like they're going to cry <laughs> because he he doesn't have access to that information unless they're showing it on their face. Yeah. Um, But then if actors and director is deaf, that gets like really, really complicated. In Peter and the Starcatcher, I was assistant directing and I was like the interpreting coordinator. So we had a group of interpreting students from University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, who were working with us, helping us. And that required like a minimum of three interpreters running around the room at all times because we had six deaf, seven deaf, seven deaf people in the cast, seven hearing people in the cast, like three deaf people behind the table, four or five hearing people behind the table. And it was just like communication madness. And me and the stage manager were like two of the only people that knew both languages and weren't interpreting. And it was just like crazy crazy stressful but a huge learning experience um and then if if it's hearing director <laughs> and deaf actor or actors that's also a fair amount simpler because when you're a director you're talking to a whole bunch of different people at the same time and you also need to be like privy to a lot of different conversations and try to like hold on to a lot of things if you're the actor it's like you got your one job, you got your one scenes and whoever you're talking to like one-on-one -on -one with is pretty much all you're too worried about. Um, I haven't um, interpreted a musical where it's a hearing director and deaf actors, but I'm sure that'll be a whole thing. Um, Cause <laughs> Romeo and Juliet was a play. I, yeah, they, I wasn't too worried about him like trying to figure out music. Well, I, you know, I find it incredibly fascinating, uh, just the, the process because, um, you just don't see it a lot and, and maybe we should have more accessibility to this sort of thing. Um, how, during a show, how do they decide? Cause again, I was, I was looking at the spring awakening and it looked like some of the parts were signed and some weren't, how was that decided? Is, is that, uh, a, a, I guess a directorial thing, but do you do you know the process of you know this part is going to be this part isn't or is it all signed or how does that work well for peter and the star catcher 
um it was it was a long casting process of like how do we shuffle these people around because our goal was to have an entirely deaf cast and then to bring in like hearing actors just to voice for them but then not enough deaf people auditioned and they were all like we want to be in the crew we don't want to be on stage and we were like well that doesn't help us a whole lot but thank you um <laughs> so deciding who's which characters are going to be deaf has a lot to do with how the characters can be adapted to fit deaf culture um so for example in peter and the starcatcher peter starts out very shy and awkward and and direct and a little nasty sometimes and like he's creative but he's very disempowered and he doesn't he doesn't really do things for himself molly does the things for him and and sort of teaches him and empowers him and like her being an example in his life is a big part of what makes him become the person that he is so we said hmm that looks deaf that looks like a kid who's deaf and is language deprived and like doesn't know asl very much and isn't is kind of lacking in identity who meets a girl who's like deaf of deaf signs really really well uses lots of visual vernacular and is like really resolute in her identity and she starts like leading him along and like he's he's like taking in the language and going oh oh i got it i can get there and like has this whole transformation as he gets an identity um and then black stash the captain hook character he he's using lots of like he's a very verbose character uses a lot of vocabulary words and he doesn't use them right all the time and we were like that sounds a whole lot like a deaf person who's very oral who was brought up like being forced to speak has a lot of pride in their ability to speak and that's a whole like aspect of deaf culture is the it's kind of like a culture war of is it best to know english is it best to know asl most deaf people agree like give people access to asl um because it is because if you're just if you're trying to teach someone who can't hear how to speak that's like a near impossible task and then they're lacking in language beyond the point where they need to have language for their brain to develop properly and it's a whole thing but um but like Blackstash doesn't sign as much and he much prefers to speak and so we have this this boy who's very impressionable and about to receive his identity and two like opposing influences one who's very very asl and one who's very very english and peter has to decide both in the original script and in the adaptation that we did who is he going to go with because he really does come close to becoming one of black sash's pirates and like following him through his life um and he decides no i'm going to go this path and i'm going to stick with the identity that i get with molly um and the whole adaptation also had this layer of like it took place in a deaf dorm where this kid moved in and had never been exposed to ASL. And then his roommates in the middle of the night are like, let's get this kid comfortable. Let's give this kid some language and starts to play with him so that he can get comfortable with them and get his identity. So it's kind of like a, uh, it's a little bit like Wizard of Oz where like real life bleeds into like a fictional world play kind of thing that was That's a very long answer to that answer your question no what no that was it, it was like i said it was fascinating and, and i've directed peter and the scar catcher so it's even easier for me to go that's some brilliant stuff oh. and, and seeing that so i'm i'm going back going yep okay yeah okay yeah <laughs> so if you've seen peter and the scar catcher listeners you know exactly what was being talked about um mm-hmm. is there was there ever a song or a moment that was more difficult than you thought to to interpret um on stage or or anything like that i mean the entirety of peter and the star catcher was more difficult than we thought it was going to be (laughs) um a specific song or moment or it can be general whatever it just is there sometimes something that you go how am i gonna do this well um i had a big how the heck am i gonna make it through this with 
Romeo and Juliet. I mean, translating Shakespeare into yeah. ASL is like crazy. Um, and uh, most of the time, I was not able to do that very successfully in the middle of the room when people were saying the lines. And that's kind of okay because the deaf people knew that knew that that was the challenge and knew that I probably didn't understand what it meant to say he jests at scars that never felt a wound because ASL is an entirely different like language like a lot of people think it's very similar to English but it's more similar to French and Mandarin than it is the structure of English um it is definitely influenced by like American English um but it's so pictorial it's it's an entirely different way of structuring concepts and structuring sentences so i can't say he jokes towards scars that never felt pain like that doesn't make any sense i have to like totally unwind everything and put it put it entirely differently to make it make sense to a deaf person um so what ended up happening was the theater company we were working with with American Players Theater, which is absolutely fantastic. I recommend anybody who has the chance to work with them. Um, they edited the script and added line numbers throughout mm-hmm. the entire script. So like thousands and thousands of line numbers. So whenever we would get to a specific line and have a note about that, instead of the director saying, uh, when you say, um, you do me wrong, um, Instead, they'll say, oh, line 3,264 or something like that. And that way, the deaf and hearing people can get to the line at the same time instead of the deaf people being like, what, where is that? I don't, I'm not able to follow. So that's, it's a, it's a wild challenge. And a lot of different productions navigate that challenge differently. But from what I've seen, that's my favorite approach to getting everybody on the same page in terms of the script especially for Shakespeare right Shakespeare isn't it's not really my forte so that was even harder I don't you know what it's it's hard enough yeah even even it's it's a different language even though it's in English it's it's so right you know of our time so congratulations on even attempting and figuring it out that's that is a nightmare <laughs> it's about a little bit I grew, I grew a lot i learned a lot <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so if there's a theater company out there or or a, or a person who's got a show and they'd like to you know explore this what 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 recommendations would you would you tell these people um what do you suggest that's a really great question and somebody just asked me that on tiktok uh, um they said like how do you recommend um a theater company bring deaf theater to their community and my plan is to bring josh onto my phone and say josh is going to answer this question because this is really complicated and i'm not really sure how to answer it yeah. um but i will say back to peter and the star catcher and romeo and juliet um they did it really well um like when i was working with um the theater company that did the little mermaid, you know, they did their best, but uh, a lot of it was not very accessible. It was, it was like, we had a lot of frustrations with the way that they structured that process. American players theater asked a lot of questions when they first decided to hire Josh and took every bit of his advice. I mean, you know, it's always a fantastic idea to just, ask and listen um but like they they were also doing plenty of research they read they like talked with their local college which had a deaf program they were like how do we go about doing this how do we make this sensitive how do we make this accessible they installed cue lights backstage so that and like whether you can hear or not you know when your cue is um They hired a, oh, I wish I remembered what the company was called. They hired a company that trains, they hired an organization that trains companies how to work with deaf people, how to like 
get basic resources on learning ASL, how to, um, like they, they just sort of tutor on a bit of like deaf culture and some manners and how, um, really it's a lot more polite to a deaf person to try and sign and sign badly than it is to not try to sign at all because, you know, deaf people want that connection. I mean, in France, if you do a terrible job at speaking French, French people are going to make fun of you and they'll be like, I speak English. Just talk to me in freaking English, please. But in, in deaf culture, they're like, oh my God, you signed a few things. That's amazing. They are a little tired of everyone shouting the ABCs at them every time they meet them. So maybe like, don't give them the whole alphabet. I promise you, know, they know that you know the alphabet if you just say <laughs> that you do. You don't need to demonstrate it. Um, but um, they they just did wonderful. They installed um, like light fire alarms and light doorbells in the um, housing that they provided for us. Um, they had extra interpreters as backup, like they were just on it. And same with Janesville, the Janesville Performing Arts Center is a very small venue. It's a community theater. Um, they often do um, productions where like people aren't paid, if that helps you understand like where they're at. Yeah. Um, and they knew that they wanted to give it a try. They did what research they could. They sent out some kind of like job listing and Josh applied for the job and got the directing job. Um, and even without having been able to hire in an entity that can teach them what they needed to know, um, they just like read up a bit about deaf culture and like watched some examples of deaf theater. And they said, I think, I think I understand what we need to do. I think they also consulted with, some interpreters that were in their network um and they did a fantastic job and really like if you just are giving it a good earnest wholehearted shot deaf people are really going to appreciate that even if it's a little like oh that part wasn't accessible just like make sure you have captions uh and interpreters and you're you're already doing a great a great thing yeah, we've added captions to our our company a couple of years ago. We we've got captions on the screen all the time. So, Good. Yeah. I except been... except for the improv company, then we <laughs> we just can't do that, obviously. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's it's we decided to do implement a number of uh, steps, and and that was one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's one of the things that I was very surprised to learn is better than having interpreters for a show. Captioning should be your first step and then interpreters can be your second step because captioning can be there a lot more often mm -hmm. and captioning applies to lots of different levels of language yeah. um but interpreting it's a little bit more limited it's definitely necessary for an improv show and it really helps if you have like a dedicated show with interpreters and that'll be really good if something goes wrong in the theater and deaf people will know yeah because you know if it, if they go off script or if there's an emergency the captions aren't going to say that um but yeah captions as much as possible yeah. glad so, you're doing that just a simple it's, it's it's such a simple thing to do well unless you don't have a well luckily we have screens um, not all mm. theaters have that but um yeah it's it is it's just a little thing but it, it's a huge thing and and yeah and make the theater more accessible like i said at the beginning to more people the better you know everyone deserves to go to the theater and, and enjoy themselves so, mm -hmm. so congratulations and on on all the stuff you've done it's fascinating just everything you talked about because um i don't know everything surprisingly enough i don't i didn't know any of this stuff like i i knew it happened but i didn't know the in-depth that you gave us so i i, I very much appreciate what you've told me and, and the listeners and and hopefully you've inspired other people to uh, implement this in the theater companies or their shows so that's great uh, yeah i hope so too i'm really grateful for people like you who are giving a little spotlight to the accessibility aspect of this to the deaf aspect of this highly encourage you if you get the chance to get a deaf person on your show and just talk about what they're doing in theater because their perspectives are going to be way more deep and rich than mine can be. I mean, especially since I've only been doing this for a few years, um, I'm 
I am in a very niche <laughs> career right now, yeah. which I'm I'm very lucky, especially in like the way that the, the cost of living is going right now. I'm very lucky to have so many opportunities and have been able to do so much more than I expected to just after graduating. Um, but I think, I think deaf, it feels like deaf theater and deaf artists are, are ramping up into like a heyday. Um, I think a lot of people are talking about the genre of like deaf culture um, and the ways that things can be more accessible for them. So we're trying to take advantage of that and like maximize returns because usually these things have their rise and then their fall. Um, and the more that the deaf community can take advantage of these opportunities and build a foundation that allows them to continue, that's going to be fantastic because um, the the percentage of deaf people who are unemployed is really dismal the percentage of deaf children who are born to hearing parents and the parents never teach them sign is really abysmal um and that's why there is like so many deaf people just immediately go into advocacy type work and assistance work and teaching the moment that they graduate because it's like it feels like they have no other choice but like to fight for their right to exist and for their right to be seen and for their deaf culture to not be smashed out. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know that Alexander Graham Bell is like the villain of deaf culture. <laughs> like people just know him as like the telephone dude, which yeah. I think he even stole that invention or something like that. Don't quote yeah. me on that, but I think I remember something about that. But he he was the purveyor of oralism um he was like deaf children should never learn how to sign they will never succeed they'll never thrive and so like all of the deaf schools around the country stopped using sign language and started like like they'd tie their hands behind their back they'd whip them they'd like yell in their faces and like asl was like banned everywhere and like almost died out it was looking really bad but um in 80s 90s maybe sort of 70s like people came out of that people were like oh asl is an actual language <laughs> what a surprise um and the damage that his philosophy spreading around the country did to the deaf community is still like so prevalent today like so many people that I work with are from like situations where they just like had no access to language and that did so much damage to their ability to thrive in their future. So the more that we get deaf people and deaf stories and deaf culture on stage, on film and on our television and our podcasts, even as ironic as it is, yeah. um, the more that their culture has the ability to bounce back from the kind of damage, you know? Um, so let's do, I'll just pivot for a second for this last little bit. Do Being it. an influencer. What, how, why, how did that come about? <laughs> um, or just organic question. and it just happened. Yeah. You started. Well, I, resisted tiktok for a while because i was like this i don't know this seems stupid or whatever but then my <laughs> friend finally convinced me to do it and i was like this is vine everybody's asking for vine to come back this is vine oh my god but um i didn't think i would really do anything with it until i listened to a musical called in the green mm -hmm. um that's by grace mclean and um it's about it's like a very, very strange and interesting and beautiful musical about Heldegard of Bingen from like the 10th century. And I was like, I was like, people talk a lot about obscure musicals and they're like, they're like, I know 35 millimeter and it's like so underground. And I had been listening to albums pretty religiously for a couple of years at that point. And I was like, that's not 
obscure. Like there's so much deeper that you can go. And I kept on discovering things like in the green as I was going about it and being like, this is this is really freaking good and interesting. And I don't know where I could find anybody talking about it. I would love to have a platform that's strong enough to find something really good and very small and be able to like boost it into the public consciousness. And that sort of became my mission statement for my TikTok. Yeah. Obviously, I do a lot of like silly fun stuff too, but like my core is finding hidden gems, finding small artists and trying my best to format it in a way that will make TikTok push it and get a community around it. And I haven't been able to do that with many more than like maybe three, four, five. But um, for example, like one of my proudest um, ones was talking about the musical Islander, which is a Scottish I saw acapella. that was in New York. Oh my God. It's so, I had to have them as soon as I saw it. I contacted them and says, I have to have you guys on and talk to you. So I interviewed you them. had I, them on. I had them. I loved the Islander. It was so oh, good. Yes. So good. <laughs> yeah. It was beautiful. And I found it when they were still in Scotland. And I think they were probably like in talks to like go off Broadway, trying to figure that out. Um, but I was like, yeah, this is so freaking good. And it, the video took off. It was one of the first times that my videos did really well. Um, and then I talked about like, oh, it moved to Broadway. They they invited me to um, fly out to New York and I got to watch the show and have drinks with the actresses and had a wonderful time. Um, and like ever since then, I still get comments from people being like, you introduced me to Islander. Thank you so much. That was on my Spotify wrapped like that was, you know, so I was like, yes, I'm so glad. Um and now I'm I'm getting I did make a video about in the green eventually. I wanted to have a big enough following to have it mean something. And sometimes I get people commenting like, oh, you introduced me into in the green and I love it so much. And I'm like, yes, there's there's so many like works of musical theater art that just never go anywhere because it's not existing IP, because it's not this big show stopping Betty Boop idea. And um so it's it's my it's my little niche thing. I don't usually make any money off of it. Very rarely does anybody reach out for yeah. um like sponsorships or something like that because it, this is theater. Like I can't yeah. like nobody nobody has the money for that. <laughs> exactly. Um but every once in a while it it's really cool to get like like yeah. the notebook sent me a box of like their merch for supporting them and nice. for for publicizing their show. I also got a box from millennials are killing musicals. And um, I know, I know Nico, Nico. Uh, yes. I've, I've talked to Nico. I've, I've known her for a few years. Yeah. She's on. Awesome I stuff. love Nico. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, it's funny. Cause I was looking through some years. I was going through your TikTok going, yep. I play that show. I play that show in the green. I play that show. like just all this stuff, because I, I totally agree. These, you know, if and not to say anything bad about, you know, on Broadway on Sirius or iHeart, you know broadway but it's all the 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 surface level stuff you if you want yeah. to listen to hamilton oklahoma or mean girls fine that's cool but i want to i on our station play you know in the greens and you know millennials and that 1963 off broadway show that no it crashed after three weeks but still has a good cast recording and and right. people should discover them and, and i'm glad you do this you know you introduce you help introduce these shows that are just under the radar because i saw the one about um lord of the rings i, I watched uh -huh. that one i saw lord of the rings originally in toronto when it first came and you're right it wow. is it's not a great show and it's insane <laughs> i got stories about that because my friend was the house manager of that theater and orcs were tripping trip wires which you know paused the show for 45 minutes because the mountain couldn't move there's just stuff and i saw the original ragtime here in toronto too um that was an incredible show but just i look at your stuff and go yep i'm glad you're bringing some of these mm. not i don't want to say second tier but people just don't know about and and deserve yeah. to to hear no matter what and to be fair a lot of them don't have the resources to make them the quality of the of the you know cream at the top um and that's okay yeah. I 
And I try to acknowledge when it's like, and that's a little rough and that's okay. Um, there are sometimes, th- there have been times where people are like, oh, you need to listen to this. And I've been like, this is awful. And I, at first I would go on TikTok and be like this. I don't think this is worth your time. I um, like this didn't work out. And I was like, I, I don't think I need to be putting any more negativity into this. So sometimes when I'm talking about a show, I will omit some of my like less happy thoughts about it because I know that they're more subjective. It's more about like, well, my personal tastes don't necessarily align with what this is, but I know people who are going to love it. So I'm going to, I'm going to advertise it or, um, or I'll just like leave it out. There's, there's a lot of shows that I listen to that I honestly, I can't even finish that I am like listening through and I'm like, this is not gonna work <laughs> for me. Um, and I, I was like, Oh, I don't need to put any negativity in the world and like say that to anybody. I think I can just yeah keep it going. And the show isn't going to, it, the, the show will earn its own um, yeah. advertising. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a fan when people say, what do you think of the show? I'm like, it doesn't matter what I think. Just go see theater. Just go see it and make your own opinion because my opinion is completely different than yours, which is different than theirs, which is different than hers, which is different than his. So just just go see theater, make your own opinion. So um, mm-hmm. good on you. Just, to, you know, promote it. That's the important thing is promote these shows and get them heard. And I was similarly very excited to see like I went to your website and I saw like your lineup of like the different episodes that you've done. And I saw like the Xena warrior musical on there. And I was like, I'm about to listen to that. I'm going to listen to the (laughs) podcast and then I'm going to listen to the album and all that stuff. And I was like, how did I not find this dude? Like I remember um, maybe like last year or two years ago, I was like, there have got to be tons of great musical theater podcasts that relate to what I'm looking for. And I cannot find them. I was like searching and searching and searching, didn't find yours. And I don't know why, but I was like, Oh, this is going to be a freaking resource that I use all the time now because you cover the stuff that I'm most interested in. So I love that. (laughs) That's the thing. It's no, like, no offense to any of my guests. Every, other podcasts, they want the Lin Manuels. They want they want the 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 upper echelon. I want the people that are just starting out or are just starting to promote. And will I get? I always quote title a show. I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than a hundred than a hundred people's ninth favorite. favorite thing. Exactly, and that's what I am a small niche starting to grow. The radio station's been around for five years, but people are starting to realize, no. Oh, he's playing the stuff that we don't know and and that's what i want to do and, and i think you're doing the same thing you're you introducing people to stuff they will discover and in five years when those shows become big or they get big productions they're gonna be like oh that's where i saw it first and heard it first on on your on your tiktok or wherever and honestly that's one of the feelings that i'm like chasing with the influencer thing like as much as i'm like ooh, i just i just love to support local artists i also just love the feeling of i knew that one first like i found that before most people did that's a fun feeling it is i always ask the people that i I play that that are new i say all i ask is just give me a ticket to the first show just let me just Mm. give me a ticket to i don't even have to be the opening let me have go see you on stage i've been promoting you for five years let me go see what this is happening so um plus in chicago a lot of the shows that I'm really interested in seeing they're not around and they're not going to be around in my area for another few years. Yes. So I'm hoping that this, that my platform can increase album popularity a little bit and, and cause more shows to like invest in making an album because that is accessibility. For sure. For sure. Agreed. 100%. (laughs) Caden, thank you so much. Oh, it's been a long day. Hey, thank you so much for coming on today and, and introducing us to yourself, your platform, and especially the, the ASL aspect of theater. It's 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 a market that needs to be looked at and, and explored so we can, like I said, get everybody into theater. The more people in theater, the better off we are as a as a community. 
of musical theater people and theater people in general. So thank you for what you're doing. Um, how can people learn more about you, uh, your TikTok and all that fun stuff? Um, about me, uh, the, well, so on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, I go by at the musical dealer. Um, my whole concept is that like, I'm opening up my little jacket and I have a bunch of albums on the inside and I'm like, Hey, I got a little album for you. Uh, <laughs> which one are you interested in? You know? Um, so, so that's your visualization. That's how you can remember that. Um, and I have a website that is still a little bit in development, but it's almost done. Um, it's caden-marshall.com, C-A-D-E-N hyphen Marshall with two L's. I'm planning on changing that to cadenzane.com because that's my email, but I, I'm going to hold off on that a little bit. <laughs> um, but if, if you can't find it, it's probably because it changed. Um, and that website has three main portals. It has an influencer portal where you can like find like resources. You can get to understand how you can work with me or collaborate with me or whatever. Um, and then there's an interpreter portal, which is like, here's my experience as an interpreter. Here's my bio. Here's the services that I offer. Here's some of my rates. Here's how you can get in contact with me to work with me in that capacity. And then I have a performer um, thing that has like my resume some like theater examples like youtube videos and whatnot of my work um and also like how to get in contact with me pictures of my headshots pictures of me in productions you know so it's like somebody told me that i needed to have three separate websites for those things and i was like no <laughs> i am not paying for that <laughs> i want everybody to be able to jump around and see that i am a multifaceted yeah. kind of thing cuz i think i think right now the world is is looking it looks very specialized like you have to have your one big thing but the people that i see succeed the most are the ones who have a range of um of experience and especially even the people who like switch jobs in the middle of their life, like do some really crazy stuff because they have a wide breadth of experience. So I want people who want me for that. You know what I mean? I hear you. I hear you. Uh, again, Caden, thank you so much for coming on and I look forward to hearing more about where you go with everything you do. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was so freaking fun awesome um, i if you ever want me back please i'd be so down um and to everybody who's listening go see some deaf theater go go meet a deaf person learn some learn some alphabet we love it i i cannot um top that that's a great way to end so, <laughs> thank you all right. So we were just speaking with Caden Zane Marshall uh, today about lots of different things. So yes, make sure you, if you do have a theater company or have a production, think about, you know, adding a deaf aspect and, and, and all, any type of accessibility um, that you can to it. Uh, tune in next week as we'll speak with another guest or guests about their life, love and passion. That is musical theater. I am your host as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you.